everyone, welcome to a very special crossover video I'm doing today. I'm joined here by Shmup Junkie. And today we are going to be discussing all about input lag, everyone's favorite subject, of course. So how's it going? Going good. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. This is, like I said, this is my first time doing this. So hopefully I can be entertaining enough and make this worth everyone's while. Well, I definitely wanted to get you on because you've taken up the mantle of input lag testing on the Nintendo Switch, which I'm <laughs> sure you found is a very fun, just great process, no issues or anything like that. So no, I guess we could get started talking just a little bit about kind of your channel a bit and what inspired you to start doing all these input lag tests and all that good stuff. Honestly, um, I originally didn't intend to have a channel. This whole thing started because of the PC Engine Mini. <laughs> um, in the beginning, I just wanted to do some really, really good reviews on the PC Engine Mini. And part of it was lag related, but part of it in general was just I wasn't happy with what was out there. Um, the PC Engine Mini reviews were just kind of very, um, what's the word, general? Uh, surface. It, <laughs> That's yeah, the word. Surface. Like, <laughs> so I started my channel to do a bunch of reviews on the Mini because I just wasn't happy with what was out there. I felt like someone who really loved the consoles and grew up with them should do it justice. So I did a few of those. I did a few mini reviews and then friends and people that I know on my Instagram page started asking me to do more videos because they really liked what I was doing. And that's really what it was about. It wasn't about input lag or anything else. I grew up with the PC Engine and the NES. I love the old school 90s style shooters. And I just wanted to make some really great PC Engine mini reviews out there. So people would go and go, man, that sounds awesome. I really want one of those. And that's what I did. And that's how this all started. So when you were seeing these reviews initially, that's kind of like my story with the podcast where there were no shmup podcasts. And I was like, all right, I guess I am forced to create one. But um, I wanted to ask you, so when you're first watching these PC Engine mini reviews and stuff, what was the main thing that was sparking you to say, okay, these guys are getting it wrong. These guys are, because I've sympathized, I've been there many times, or these guys are not going full tilt in the reviews like what were the things that were sparking your brain as far as okay this needs to be done right um the biggest thing is it just didn't seem like they had enough background with the game like you know a lot of them talk about growing up with it but when they talk about the games i just i don't get that impression um you know a huge part of the turbo and especially the pc engine were the shooter and mm -hmm. when they do a pc engine review mini review and they barely talk about them and they don't meant i mean they mention that oh hey there's 20 shooters you know haha -ha, but they don't really talk about why or why did the PC Engine have so many shooters and what made them special? Why does a mini console have 30-something percent of its games shooters? I mean, that's kind of ridiculous on the surface, right? So they don't really get into that. They didn't talk about why that was the case. There wasn't really a love for the system. You know, it's kind of like this thing where every big YouTuber just needs to get on and they need to hit it while it's trending. So it's mm -hmm. very surface. You know, they just talk about it, but they don't really get into it. They don't get people excited about it. And I was super excited about it. Like I've been talking to my friends and the people on my Instagram page for months uh, leading up to the mini release, getting them excited. Man, I can't wait for this to come out, man. When you finally get to play Soldier Blade, you're going to love it. It's such an awesome game. And that's what I wanted to do. So I wanted to put a review together that really talked about how awesome some of these games are and why they are and what made them so unique. Because the PC Engine Mini is unique. It's very, very different than all the other mini consoles. It was just a unique console in general. Absolutely. And was that created by M2? Is that accurate? My mini console knowledge is starting to mix together between all of them. Was that one M2 or the mini? Yeah, M2 did that. They did that just like they did the Genesis Mini. Okay, they just wanted to double check. They did the emulation and everything else. Obviously, they don't have control over the hardware, which is what people forget. 
you know, they're not the ones that decide what kind of processing power it has and, you know, what they can and can't do with it. But they did do the emulation on it and the GUI. Yeah, because I remember paying a little bit more attention to that because all the other clone consoles or whatever you want to call them, the mini consoles, were handled by Nintendo and uh, I can't even think of the other ones. I've lost interest in these things by quite a bit, so you can uh, you can refresh me. But um, I remember the Sega Genesis one was kind of the last one that came out that made a really big splash. And then now the PC Engine Mini was coming out. One thing I wanted to comment on, too, is when you're mentioning how a lot of these reviewers don't seem to have a whole in-depth interest in it. They don't really seem to care all that much. One like hidden aspect of that, too, is I'm guessing a good number of these reviewers are literally sent the console to review, and they may have just a very surface level of uh, knowledge of the console to begin with. But because they have those numbers, uh, whoever it is, M2 or whoever decides that, sends them to the YouTubers for like promotional reasons. And I found that very frustrating because there's been times where I've been wanting to kind of get into that game, but I can't get them to send me the free ones to do the reviews. So I'm like, okay, well, I'm not going to do it then because I'm not going to drop the money for it. If Konami knew how many mini consoles were sold strictly because of me, (laughs) they they might change your mind on the next one or send me royalties. I I can't say how many people said, oh man, I, I bought this just for you. I bought this because of, you know, the reviews that you were doing or how much you've talked about it. Because as soon as I heard it was coming out, I mean, I was just all over it. I couldn't stop talking about it uh, to people. Because what makes it unique is it's not accessible. You know, most people right. have played the Mega Drive or the Genesis. They've played the NES. They've played the Super Nintendo. But they never played the Turbo Graphics or definitely not the PC Engine stuff. So it's, it's rare. It's one of those things where a lot of people have the opportunity to play games that just aren't available anymore. And if they wanted to play them, they either emulate them or they have to pay ridiculous amounts of money to get them. Yeah, I've, I remember going through a similar thought process when um, a lot of the Neo Geo stuff was coming out and people are talking, because I love Neo Geo, it's one of my favorite, and they're just talking about the games like, yeah, this console has a lot of fighting games on it, I guess. And it's like, well, some of these fighting <laughs> games are like a big deal, right? Like King of Fighters 98 and stuff like that. But yeah, so I definitely understand that there. So how did I mean, you go? Fighters were to the Neo Geo like shooters were to the PC Engine. So yeah. to like talk about the Neo Geo and gloss over the fighters, it's pretty equivalent, you know, and that's what yes. a lot of the reviews were doing. It didn't make sense. Yeah, and so why do you think is that? Just because shmups are just way too much to handle for a lot of casual reviewers and stuff, and they're like, okay, I, I can't make it past stage one or whatever. What do you think it is? I don't think, I don't know if it's too much to handle, more is that it's just not a genre that they are really into. So they're only going to focus so much on it. They're like, oh, look, you know, Gradius is on here. Oh, look, you know, our type is on here. That kind of stuff. But they don't really get into it. Like, they don't really put any time into the games. It's just not a genre that excites them that much because it's not as popular as it used to be. Um, so, you know, they'll focus on Bonk's Adventure and they'll focus on Rondo of Blood. And those are all great games. It's not like that's all that's on the system. I don't want to call it, you know, the shooter mini. But at the same time, just like the Neo Geo is known for fighters, you can't really gloss over it. You know, you have to at least, you know, give some kind of lip service and say, hey, look, here's the reason why, you know, these games are on here and why it was so popular because shooters were huge back then. You know, I mean, it was the thing in the 90s with all the caravans going on in Japan, especially. It was a huge competitive scene at the time that didn't exist in the US. Yeah, that also reminds me of, I remember watching some YouTube reviews of the Sega Saturn a while back. I think Sega Saturn is getting more love these days, but I remember not even all that long ago, people were talking about the Sega Saturn and they were literally saying, you know, there's just not a lot of games for this thing, right? 
because in their mind they were like blocking out all the shmups and fighting games on it and they're just like yeah you know seg saturn's cool i guess but there's not many games it's like no <laughs> that's yeah, completely thing, I mean, untrue that's part of it and that's part of it too is there weren't a lot of shooters in the u.s because they just never released them it was i guess the popularity was waning so they didn't release as many as they could have uh, because in japan obviously you know how many amazing shooters came out for the saturn it's yeah. seen by many as like the greatest shooter console of all time that and the pc engine pretty much yeah it's funny how people aren't willing to kind of take that next step and delve into the japanese territory releases and stuff because especially with arcade games and shmups you got to do that i mean if you rely on purely whatever english based releases you're going to have a much slimmer selection now that that totally makes sense i'm, I'm with you on that and, and now i said that and that's where all it all kind of comes full circle where you know i saw the reviews they were kind of okay but none of them really had the passion for the games. And I think when people saw my review, and that's why they started to make, have me, what's the word I'm looking for? They wanted me to make more reviews because they're like, these are really good. I, I watched your PC Engine Mini reviews and I loved it. It just brought this nostalgia back. And they started talking to me about how they used to play the games and their memories of it. And, you know, that's what a review should do. You know, I mean, these are mini consoles. They're about nostalgia. I mean, it's kind of the whole point. Right. So glossing over stuff you're not getting into what made that console special you know just like a genesis mini review should talk about what made the genesis special and if you weren't around if you didn't play those games you can it's your perspective of someone that's maybe younger and wasn't around for that generation but it's nice to have someone that kind of grew up with it they can talk about so when you're doing these mini reviews how did you transition into the input lag aspect of this whole review system or however you want to say it yeah yeah so, so that's that's the funny part is i never was a stickler for input lag as you can probably tell and the reason i started was because a lot of these reviews and not just the reviews a lot of reddit groups and other groups really started getting down on this particular mini because of the input lag you had some really big reviewers you know calling certain games unplayable uh lords of thunder is a perfect example saying the lag is so bad you know i play these other games and they were okay but then i tried playing lords of thunder and I literally couldn't play it. You know, there was multiple reviewers that said that. And I hadn't even played the system yet. So before I even played it, I was, I was really bummed. I was like, really? You got to be kidding me. I've been looking forward to this thing for that long. I can't wait to get it. And I've got people talking about how, you know, some of these games are unplayable and the lag is terrible. But at the same time, they said the same thing about the Genesis Mini. And I played it and I had no issue with it. So that kind of sparked that in my mind. And when I originally, eventually got the system, and I realized that it played just the same as all the other mini consoles that I played. I realized they were just kind of, I don't want to say they're right or wrong, because when you, talk, when you say input lag is too much or too little, it's an opinion. It's, it's conjecture. You know, we're not talking about numbers. It's just someone saying, I can play this game or I don't want to play this game. But that's kind of where it came up, is a lot of people started coming to me in my you know, Instagram channel and friends of mine saying, have you seen this review? Have you seen this review? you know, should I cancel my order? It's, it sounds terrible. I had literally had dozens of people asking me, you know, should I still get this mini? And I just told them to hold up, you know, wait till I get it late till I get a chance to try it. And I'll let you know what I think. And after I did try it, and I thought it was perfectly fine. I said, you know what, don't listen to those people, just get it. You'll absolutely love the games. I had a blast with it. You'll have a blast with it too. Every one of those people down to a T came back to me later and said, thank you so much. Thank you for convincing me and telling me to go ahead and get it because I got it and I absolutely love these games. They're insane because they were waiting to play Lords of Thunder and some of these other games that they'd never played before. 
you know, and not all of them were people that grew up with it. So I had all these people coming to me and saying, thank you for getting me to get it anyway and not listening to all these other people online that are being so negative about it. And it made me think how many other hundreds, thousands, tens of thousands people out there are looking at these reviews on these huge accounts and not trying out these games and not experiencing some of these awesome games because of that. So that made me angry. And that's where I kind of got into the input lag side of it, where I came out and made a review and I tested against what they were talking about. <laughs> actually, the review was pretty darn salty too, I'll admit that. I don't know if you actually watched that yep, one. Yep, I've seen them. Yeah, I've the seen The Thunder lag test one. Yes, I have. I've seen them all. Okay. So, yeah. that, so, that's where, so that's where it started. You know, I wanted to come to it and say, and I did the testing and you saw it, so I don't need to kind of rehash, you know, what was in the video, but that's where it came down. I didn't originally start it with the intention of doing anything about lag. It's just because the mini was getting so much horrible press about it. And I felt like a lot of people weren't getting it because of that, that I kind of wanted to be a counterpoint and say, look, I get it has lag, has the same lag as all the other minis. But if you're excited about these games and you want to play them, not getting it for that reason is ridiculous. You know, it's a $99 emulator. You know, you don't have no other way of playing this game. Get it and have fun. Yeah. So this is why I wanted to have you on the podcast or I guess on the video podcast hybrid thing I'm doing here because it's funny because these people, you know, people who are very negative about input lag and negative about games that have like ports, especially that have input lag. I am like the son of that type of mentality, like emanating from me. I'm very like that when it comes to ports. You know, that's a big thing. And I've been on the other side of that, too, which is funny. Well, I've been on the other side where I've been critiquing ports for having really high input lag and saying, don't buy these because they're a waste of money because of the input lag. And having controversy after controversy, especially on those Psycho Switch ports, to the point where sometimes I'm like, oh my gosh, <laughs> this feels like I'm a politician. But yeah, so I want to talk to you about this because the thing about it is I'm trying my best, especially now, to s expand and see both sides. And it's not that I didn't see both sides when I was doing those Psycho reviews and saying that the games are unplayable and they should be, you know, passed over and you should spend your money on other shmups. But I do also understand there's like kind of this fundamental divide that's very, very hard for each person to cross and not cross. And I'm learning what that fundamental divide is basically how comfortable you are you with emulation and unofficial emulation like RetroArch and stuff like that, because on my side of that fence where I fully embrace those things, I am able to play these games outside of, you know, these official, some of these ports, you can just get better ports though, just to be honest, like some, like Psycho games, not all of them, but some of them you can get on the Saturn or you can get on Steam now or whatever, or on PS2. But even still, sometimes it's really hard for me to recommend something that I would never personally play. And so the funny thing is, is had I reviewed that PC Engine Mini, I would have been among the people who said, do not buy this. The, the lag is too high. I wouldn't ever play it at this lag. But I do understand for people who don't feel comfortable on that side of the fence, who prefer official releases, who prefer getting, you know, officially licensed products because they feel like you're not breaking the law or being a thief or a pirate and stuff like that. Then you're kind of put in this position where these laggy consoles are sometimes or these laggy ports are sometimes really your only affordable option. And I do sympathize with that. So I was wondering what kind of your thoughts on that. Is that kind of how you fall into these things where you you don't really feel all that comfortable with stuff like RetroArch and unofficial emulation? Or how do you feel about that? 
Oh, no, I actually don't really have much problem with it at all. I mean, I've, especially in my case, because I've supported so many of these games for so long, and most of these games that I'm going to download, I've bought before. And I either own already or I've owned before. Um, and and um, our, our PC Engine games, they're CD-based, right? Or are they not? Uh, I'm not they're, a- both. There's, they're both. Uh, there's originally PC Engine was Hue card, so they were cartridge. And then later, just kind of like the Sega CD, they released right. the CD attachment. Yeah. And then, for that, and then they became a CD-based. The only difference being that the CD attachment on the PC Engine was huge. It was oh. around for many years, and they released tons of games for it. It wasn't like an afterthought where it came out toward the end. It was actually a very, very large part of it. Right. Because what's funny is with Retroarch now, you can literally just stick a PS1 disc in there and run it and actually run the actual disc through Retroarch. And I'm guessing, I think they've been working on that with the PC C- CD stuff. I'll have to brush well, up you on can. that. I've done it before. I okay, so my- you can do that. I can, I can do that on Retroarch too, yep. Right, so... With that type of thing, you're still having to buy the CDs, which are crazy expensive. But oh, yeah. the, the trade-off is, though, um, you're definitely getting a much lower latency experience. And did the, did the uh, Mini have save states and load states and those types of features? The Mini does, yes. Yeah. So oh, that's you, good. The, the, the EverDrives and those things, unfortunately, for the PC Engine and Turbo don't. Um, so there's really no way to do save states on those. But if you emulate it on a computer, you can. Um, but it must be something about the hardware because every flash drive CD attachment that I've seen come out for the PC Engine has not supported save states in any way for anyone that wants to like practice certain games, especially shmups, um, for whatever reason. Whereas like the Mega Drive does support it and the Neo Geo does support it. It just it just kind of depends. Yeah, that's weird. Um, I would imagine just because I remember when that first came out on the SNES, that was such a big deal that they could put save states in the EverDrives. But I guess that's becoming a much, much more common feature. But yeah, just something about the PC Engine and Turbo that that's different. Um, I don't don't know what that is. But yeah, no, I'm not against it anyway. And then just and to to be clear, I'm completely open to both perspectives. I think it has to do with the audience that you're that you're speaking to. You know, if I was speaking to an audience of like people on like the Shmups forum, for example, uh, which, you know, is more your crowd, I would never come out and say this lag doesn't matter, you know, six, seven frames go ahead and buy it anyway, because you kind of, you know who you're talking to, you know who the audience is. You know, you're talking about a group of people that are elite, or not elite, but at least they take their shoot 'em ups very seriously. They take those games seriously. A lot of them are competitive. They're playing for score. You know, they're on your level. Some of them are amazing, um, you know, but then at that point, they're not really listening to someone like me anyway, I would think, um, as far as lag is concerned. Um, and then you have the opposite, where you have like these huge channels with you know tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of subscribers that are harping on input lag when ninety nine percent or more of their audience couldn't care less. Right. Well, that is different. that is absolutely true. I'll agree with you one hundred percent there. And there's actually a really painful irony that I've never been fully able to express, but I guess now is my best chance to express it. But I remember. There's a bit of a controversy not too long ago where Mike Matei with Cinemasker was saying that if you're using Rewind or some kind of something like that, you're not truly beating the game. And there was this big discussion that popped up around what is truly beating a game and if people should be allowed to be using Rewind and stuff. And I was just like, okay, I'll let them fight this out. I'm not going to get in the middle of this because I kind of wanted to feel like it's a little bit of someone who thinks they're really good telling beginners that they're not good, but they don't see how far ahead of them they still need to go as far as skill. Because 
if I was advising, like if I was reviewing these people and advising, I would say, yeah, use rewind, use these features to practice and learn so that you can hone your skills. Otherwise, you're just doing a lot of repetitive, get to stage three, die, restart, get to stage three, die, restart. Yeah. So when you people do these mini console reviews and stuff, I do find it sometimes frustrating for that exact thing where they don't see the full horizon of what the audience is. They just see the very specific audience they have of people who are going to buy it mostly for nostalgia or that type of thing. And so they're not going to comment and say, you know what, the PC Engine Mini does not have very good input lag. And that's a problem. But it does have save states and load states. So there is a plus there as far as learning the games and all those types of things. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, it's very similar to all the other minis. Um, you know, I said once I test them, I didn't really see any real difference in the results. Not much of one between that and the Genesis Mini and some of the other consoles. You know, it's a $99 emulator that a company has to release and then make money on. So I'm not sure what kind of performance you would expect. You know, I get it. You know, if M2 releases Esperade and it's horrible and has terrible, you know, input lag on a modern PlayStation 4 or a Switch, you know, that's something to talk about because it didn't have to be that way. You know, and a lot of people that are going to buy that game are shooter enthusiasts. Uh, but when you're talking about a $99 mini console or an emulator, you know, you mention it, you talk about it, you say, look, this is the kind of delay that these mini consoles tend to have. But I played the games and I found them perfectly enjoyable if you did. And, and that's why I can recommend the system to these certain people. And I think there were a lot of reviews that did say that. Not every single review harped on it. There were some, um, I, I think there's one person I can mention, uh, Segalord X. He has a pretty good channel. And I thought his PC Engine Mini review was pretty good. You know, he was right on the money with his comments on all this input lag talk. And I probably, and I felt really similar to it. Yeah. And with me, I'm always in a really sticky situation as far as that's why I don't review these mini consoles, because if you put one of those in my hands, it would not, it would not go well for the most part, because I would just find myself saying, well, you probably should just emulate it for real and all those types of things. And I know that's not their purpose. So that's why I never really get into that territory with the mini consoles, because basically I'm just going to be vomiting my opinion at other people that aren't going to be really all that interested in it. The hard part for me, though, was with the Nintendo Life reviews, because I was hired to review those. It wasn't like I'm just writing to Nintendo Life. Hey, would you like me to review this? And I'll leave a controversial review for you. But when you put me in that position of, okay, Mark, we need your opinion on this. I can't go to sleep at night being like, okay, this is a 7 out of 10, even though it has 7 frames of lag and no training options and all these issues. Because what I think to myself is, okay, what if people who respect my channel and respect my content, like Jamers or someone like that, buys the port and then's like, Mark, what the hell is this? And I'd be like, well, you know, I didn't want to... You know what I mean? It feels like very disingenuous. And I think that was my undoing as far as doing reviews for Nintendo Life. But I just feel I can understand both sides of the situation. But it's one of those one of those points where if I personally, I guess I'll get into this point here, too, is uh, so in my brain, I actually have. And sometimes you'll see I may have mentioned this on my website at some point, but I have like a little graph in my brain of how input lag stacks up. So one frame of lag is mythical. I've actually never seen that. I'm sure some crazy game out there somewhere has one frame of lag, but I've never actually seen it. Uh, two, two frames of lag, that is what I consider like top tier, extremely good, top of the line. A lot of arcade PCBs like Dodonpachi and those types of things are two frames of lag. Shmup Arch, when you get it running just right, is two frames of lag. 
And there are some PC ports as well, like Blue Revolver and Zero Ranger that are also two frames lag. And then three frames I consider like solid average. So most console ports, even older ones, tend to be around three frames lag. You'll see that when you start doing your Saturn testing. A lot of Saturn ones are three frames. Uh, the 360 ports are three frames, except for Tari, that's actually two frames. Steam, a lot of the Steam ones are three frames. So I consider three like the standard, solid, okay, we're, we're okay with three frames. And then four, I'm like, okay, now we're starting to get laggy. So Battle Garega is a perfect example of a four-framer. And then five frames, I consider like the max, max limit I will play a shmup is five. So anything above, because I feel like anything above five, I can literally tell as I'm playing that my timing, my reflexes, all of this needs to be changed. I need to now change my timing of my movements. I need to change. I need to like bomb before I actually bomb because in a lot of shmups, you, you have those reflex bombs just before you get hit. So I'm going to have to bomb earlier. And you're, so I'm just starting to see a lot of my skills and gameplay and habits that I've built up on the, high, on the lower la lag uh, setups does not carry over to the higher lag. And then I feel like I'm kind of throwing off my gameplay. So the point where I hit six frames, I just don't play the game. I'll just play a different shmup. I feel like I'm the most extreme example of that. I think most people are not this picky about input lag. So that's why it's kind of funny. When I watched your review and you said, uh, you know, it was like eight frames of lag. I was like, whoa, <laughs> holy shit. Right. <laughs> like, I was like, holy shit. But uh, like you're saying, it does depend on your perspective. So I was wondering what you thought about that, this kind of a view on lag, because I'm sure it does seem pretty, pretty hardcore. Yeah, I mean, and being <laughs> someone that grew up, uh, you know, playing on a CRT and with the PC engine, you know, I can absolutely feel the difference too. You know, I like that feeling of playing on a CRT on those old consoles. It feels like the controller's wired directly to your brain. It feels great. And if you put me on an emulator or something else that has several frames of lag, I can immediately tell. I can tell just like you can. You could blind test me in nine out of 10 out of 10 times. I'd probably be right. I think, so it's not that I don't notice. Maybe I just happen to be good at adjusting to it. Um, again, for me, because, you know, I'm, I want to use, well, I like the word, I don't like to use the word casual, but I'm more of a casual shoot 'em up player in the fact that I'm not playing for high score. You know, I, I, it's not that I never do. It's just that's not how I grew up playing them. You know, when we were kids, we didn't play that way. We just played for fun. We got the games and we loved the music. We loved the levels. You know, it was just a good time. And we would play through them and we played through them and we'd beat them and we'd get the, and we'd move on to the next one. And that's kind of always where I came at it. So when I pick up a game to play it, if I notice the lag, I just kind of slowly adjust to it in my brain and I kind of just forget about it. It, it was that way with the PC Engine Mini. You know, if I picked it up and I started playing it, and I was like, man, this really sucks. You know, this, this feels weird. This feels wrong. You know, I'm, right, not enjoying, right. I'm not enjoying this game. I would have said that. And, you know, being someone that grew up playing them and still has them to play on a CRT, you know, I have a point of reference. But I didn't. You know, I started playing Gradius 2 again, and I played through R-Type, and I played through Soldier Blade, and I played through Lords. And once I kind of adjusted to the slightly different feeling, which you normally do when there's additional lag, I completely forgot about it, and I just started to have a good time. And I had such a good time playing through those games again on the mini. I was like, it's absolutely absurd that there's people out there telling people not to buy this, you know, for this reason. Because I just sat on and I had a great time. And yes, I'm sure there's people out there that are absolute sticklers about it and they will hate it. But I have a feeling that 99% of the people won't. And that's probably true. 
And yes, that's I have like, learned that in my Psychioport reviews. I've <laughs> learned that is very true based well, you know, on the amount of I didn't know the amount of backlash I've gotten. <laughs> and like I the three people on Earth who are like, yeah, and there's like three people on Earth who are like, yeah, Mark, I agree. And then there's like a billion people who are like, screw you, dude. <laughs> I'm like, oh, geez. Well, I actually didn't realize that those were your reviews. Um, originally, I just saw those reviews at some point and I didn't know those were you until you told me those were you. Which one is the, the Psycho one? Yeah, the psyche ones, and yeah, because I was reading through them at some point, and the first thing that came to my mind was, you know, at the, I'm also one of those people that thinks we should properly evaluate developers. So if someone makes a lazy port, we should call them out on it, you know. And all the things you talked about about not having different modes and not having saves and not being able to choose stages, those are all things that should have been on there. Those are all things that M2 would have done right. Yes, or exactly. Or any other good developer would have done right. Every developer is under the gun because M2 exists. I hate to tell you, but <laughs> I just because I feel like I, I want to hear your opinion on this, actually, because I feel personally frustrated with the quality of ports, just in, even without input lag. Just it feels like the cycle of porting for shmups is, well, we're not going to make much money on these things. So we're going to cheap out and just kind of serve them up in mass. So, for instance, I would have been happy with Gunbird 2 on the Switch with the pro like the M2 style, right? With the proper features, with the pro I would have put down the money for that. But I know the vast majority of people view shmups as Candy Crush or just pick up and play as disposable games. So they're happy with like just ROMs on a cartridge, but there's a good amount of them for 20 bucks. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And no. I'm not that way, but I'm also in a, a extreme minority there. So I was wondering what you think about that. Um, well, as far as they said, the, the reviews themselves to like what, what I was just mentioning is, you know, I definitely agree with all those parts of it. The only thing that crossed my mind was, you know, we definitely I'm like, is this a Nintendo Life review? They're spending a lot of time really talking about the input lag on these games. Is it really that bad? You know, this is before I before I tested them. You know, it, it must be really terrible, like for him to mention that, because it's, it's not something you'd normally see in a Nintendo Life review. Again, a nope. review that's targeted toward... <laughs> you, know, it's, you know what's funny is they have... So the, uh, the Psycho collection or whatever, there's a previous version of that that's literally identical. So you can see the other Nintendo Life review of the exact same games. And it's like an 8 or 9 out of 10. Then you see my review, the exact same games, and it's like 5 or something like that. <laughs> and I'm like going on about the lag. And the other review's like, yeah, you can rotate it and stuff like that. <laughs> it's, such, it's such a completely different take on the games. Yeah. And I mean, to be honest, if I was writing a review like that, I would have mentioned some of the things you'd mentioned too. I would have talked about the lack of features. And I would have, and if the lag really was bad or if it was several frames like it was, I would have mentioned it too and said, look, for people who are really hardcore into these games and they're going to loop this game or are going to play it from score, this may not be the right port for you because it's not you know, the kind of port that it could have been. But for, you know, 99% of you, I think that it's perfectly fun. You know, if you played it on other systems and you had a good time with it, you'll probably play it on here and have a good time with it too. And I kind of showed that in a way in um, the test that I did when I tested it on the Dreamcast. I mean, it's not that the Dreamcast has good performance either, obviously. If yeah, that's where things get play. real sticky. It, it was one of those things where I said, hey, look, you know, if people were playing it then having a good time with it, I think 99% of you might have a good time with it too. So I want to mention it. If you're really hardcore into it, it will be an issue for you. But if you're not, you might have a good time with this port, you know, and not throw the baby out with the bathwater. I think if I was writing a review, maybe I, that would kind of be my perspective on it. But again, I didn't even know that was you writing it at the time. That's a really good point I want to bring up is 
so input lag gets really sticky, not because not just because of all the technicalities of trying to review it, but also because it's not like everyone just assumes the original console ports have good lag when that's absolutely not the case. Uh, for example, like you mentioned, yeah, I uh, that. <laughs> yes, so for example, the Capcom Dreamcast ports, and this is my suspicion, actually. So you can verify this when you do your testing. My suspicion is Capcom got extra lazy with their Dreamcast ports because Third Strike on Dreamcast is known for having high input lag. So that's why people don't use Dreamcast for competitive Third Strike. And then Gunbird 2, before you did your test, I was saying I'm pretty sure it, I'm pretty, I'm suspecting it's going to have high input lag too because it's Capcom on the Dreamcast. But um, so when you looked at the Saturn, I'll be interested when you look at the Saturn stuff because I think those would be much lower. But also, but also my basis is always the arcade, not the console ports. This is, again, a sticky situation with Dodonpachi, right? Where I was saying these console ports are all crap. And they're like, well, but they're the only ports. I'm like, well, there's the arcade. And so that's where things get extra sticky, too, because when I'm writing for Nintendo Life, I am writing from the perspective of how does this compare to arcade? And most people are not going to care about that. So, again, another sticky point in the whole situation. Well, because in essence, you're telling people, OK, well, the arcade is best. You know, yes. How many people have a PCB, you know, and have an, an arcade cap or or are going to set up, you know, quality emulation on the right definitely the way to go exactly and then where does that this is why it's really uh it's really tricky though because for me i can't like i said i cannot bring myself to like drop those standards i cannot do it i cannot sleep at night if i drop those standards because i feel like those are the standards i want to push people towards that's why i'm so promoting all the m2 stuff because they're hitting the standards i want to hit so i'm always going to give those glowing reviews i'm always gonna say these are the best spend your money on these and uh that type of thing so yeah and i totally get that because on a professional level when you're playing competitively when you're playing for score on any sport not just not just video games the thing that separates winners from losers are fractions fractions of anything you know so you have to play on any on an equivalent field you know so i totally get when someone like yourself is playing for score and Pachi and anything beyond the frames of lag that you're used to is an issue. Yeah. If I was in your shoes, it would be an issue for me too. You know, it totally makes sense. And so it kind of comes back to the whole, you know, what audience are you speaking to? You know, as far as, you know, when you're reviewing a game or who you're talking to, if you're talking to the shmups forum community, again, it absolutely matters very much. So all 12 of them, the majority of them. <laughs> all 12, all 12. <laughs> <laughs> and then the, the rest of the world's like, what is this guy on? That was kind of the reaction I got.
it, it makes sense. It's it, it it's not any different than you know auto racing. I used to do road racing back in a previous life, and when you're just an amateur and you're out there having a good time, it doesn't matter what you show up. And we used to show up in our Miata and our Toyotas and and run the course and have an awesome time with it. And we didn't care what we were driving. But if we were on a competitive level against people that were amazing, or if we were against each other, it would make a huge difference if someone's got a Porsche and the other person's in a Miata. Or got so. the carbon fiber doors and all that good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so so it's, it's one of those things. But it's funny, you actually, that I brought up that analogy because it works both ways. When you're on a competitive level, every little bit counts. And, the, and, the, and the, what separates winners from losers are fractions. But when you're just playing for fun and you're just having a good time, it's the other way around. There's so many people gnashing their teeth about hardware and about details instead of just getting good, instead of just practicing. Because yes. what, would usually, what would usually happen when we'd show up at the track is we'd show up with our you know, basic cars and there would be people with their Vipers and their Porsches and we would literally lap them. We would make them look like fools. And it's because they suck. They're there with expensive cars, but they can't drive. <laughs> yes. And then that's what kind of happens is the same thing. You get most of these people talking about input lag probably couldn't get a high score no matter what they were playing on. And then there's people who are incredibly good that can play on anything and probably still play well like yourself. But if you're playing on a competitive level against people at your level, it absolutely matters. Of course it does. That would make sense. That's exactly another subject I want to talk about, which is, uh, yeah, it becomes a whole ball of wax, right? Because on one level, like you said, the nuance is really hard to communicate this nuance to people because I will say you could to all that switch psycho port. I know you could. I know I know Jamers could probably do it in a weekend. It's not that it, you couldn't literally do it. You, it's not literally unplayable, but it's unplayable from my perspective as far as why would you play it? Why would you do that when you have the alternative of playing it, you know, more akin to the arcade levels, whether that's through unofficial emulation or I didn't bring this up in the review because no one would actually care. But the Psycho PCBs are not that expensive most of them compared to like cave PCBs and stuff like that. They're all expensive because they're PCBs, but Psycho PCBs are actually some of the most affordable. So if you were really, really wanting to play Gunbird or whatever correctly, you could get the PCB without having to spend like, you know, cave levels of money for those. Assuming you have an arcade cabinet or a, or a Super Yes, and you got you to go all in. That's the problem. Like you can't tell Nintendo Life's audience that because that's going to mean nothing to them. But <laughs> TV. Yeah. And I, I found that to be the case. And that was what was interesting is when I did some of these lag reviews, you know, I got a lot of people coming back saying, right on, you know, I'm really happy you said this. You know, I'm tired of hearing all this lag bullshit. I'm tired of hearing this and hearing it because there's so much of it out there. It's so and that's, prevalent. And like 80% of it's me. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. It's like, a good I, I feel like before I did all this like really harping on Impelag, I'm people were aware of it, but I don't think anyone has harped on it as hard as I have. I've gone for me, it's been a lifelong thing. It's not just I started playing shmups and noticed it. I actually knew about input lag way before that from fighting games, from speedrunning. Had a lifelong battle with input lag. And so I even remember the shmup community, like the hardcore shmuppers were even pushing back against me when I first showed up with a retro arch because I was saying, you know, don't play MAME, play retro arch because you can get the lag down because a MAME can be kind of laggy, especially certain games in MAME. And at the time, everyone's like, all right, you know, even 
my obsession on input lag is pretty, pretty high. Like uh, even the hardcore players don't seem to care as much about it as I do, which is kind of kind of interesting. Part of it too is that, you know, when you do it, you're also being constructive about it. But the problem is, is the majority of the people that hear you and listen to you, they take what you say and they only hear what they want to hear and they use it to troll you yeah, know, on right. groups and forums and everyone else. You know, you're very specific about where it's important and why it's important and who it's important for, as opposed to everyone going out there and just saying, don't buy this, don't buy that, this product is crap. You know, this is unplayable, that's unplayable. It's, there, there's no technicality to it. It's just a generalization, you know? So because there's so much of it out there, I kind of wanted to be the counterpoint. You know, I wanted to come out and say, hey, look, here's what the lag is, here's the numbers. And you know what? I still play these games and I still had a great time. And if I did, I think you can too. So it was more of just taking a different perspective on it, you know, and saying, hey, look, if you don't, it, whether something's playable or unplayable or not, again, is conjecture, it's opinion, you know, it might be not be for you and it is for me. Um, and that's totally fine. Everyone's entitled to their opinion. But once they start coming out and saying, I can't play this game, this game is not beatable, it's, it says more about them than it does about the game, right? I think too, it's like, um, like steps, right? Like steps of problem solving. So we hit step one, which is awareness, because before there's just no awareness, right? Uh, and it was getting a little out of hand. So we got to awareness. And then this happens a lot with things. So you bring the awareness and then it gets a little bit, it goes a little too far, right? Where people now are trolling and getting pissed and stuff like that. I get trolled and stuff too for my review, for my input lag stuff, plenty. The next step for me now is trying, this is why I kind of made this little chart here. Maybe I'll expand it to be like, depending on what you're looking for. And like, that's why the, the database I think is so nice. Cause then you can kind of cross check stuff and it's a little bit more objectively presented, right? You could look in the database and say, oh, so Gunber 2 is how many frames it is on the Switch. And then Gunber 2 is also that many frames on the Dreamcast. I'm not going to emulate this on a PC so I guess I'll buy the Switch version, you see. But if, if then you have the whole thing there that says, oh, well, on Shmup Arch, it's only two frames of lag. That's what I want to go with. So it can help inform what people are looking for. Because some people, like you said, they're not worried about the whole, how do you play this on a PC and emulation and all that stuff. They just want an official release. And which official release is the one they want is the question. No, that, that does make sense. And if, if you asked me where my scale would be, I honestly wouldn't know what to tell you because I don't know what my scale is. You know, like I said, I played the mini and I was still able to have a good time with it. And that's got, you know, six, seven, eight, not eight, I think, but depending on, I don't remember what my tests were, but it's, it's enough. And I still have a really good time with it. So where's that line? Is it 10? <laughs> is it 12? I don't think I've ever measured a game that bad before. I'm... I don't know where, I don't know where that line is. And it probably maybe depends on the game too. Yes. And that's also another thing that makes this complicated, too, because I think in your video, if I'm remembering correctly, you were saying that the PC engine version of Lord of Lords of Thunder is laggy itself, right? And yeah, it has a little bit more lag than some of the other games. So when I measured it directly on the PC engine itself, you know, it had maybe a frame or, you know, just over one more than, you know, some of the other basic games. And that translates to the ports that are emulation. So if most of them were six or six and a half, That'll make Lords of Sound Thunder seven and a half. You know, it put, puts it a little bit higher, but that's because it was originally. So you can't measure lag properly without going back to the original port and seeing how it compares. Yeah. And this is where, for me, this is get, it gets real dicey because Lords of Thunder, I'm pretty sure, is just a console game. Yeah, it's not even a. a port there, because it's an exclusive. There is yeah, no arcade. There is game. no arcade. 
So literally, Lord of Thunder, it's like Greka. Lord of Thunder is literally laggy. There's just no way around it. No matter what version you're playing, it's going to be a laggy version. So then you kind of have to like scale your expectations of how they port it, right? Where, yeah, okay. and it was never, I wouldn't call it laggy because I think, I don't remember what my exact measurement was, but maybe it was like around three frames of lag or two and a half or whatever it was. But for a CRT PC engine game, yeah, that would be considered so because it was maybe a frame more so than the other games were. Right. You know, so, and then once you add, you know, a modern television to that and the input delay that it adds, and then you add an emulator on top of that, like a mini, that's going to add its own, you know, three frames, three to four frames of lag because of what it is, it adds up. Yeah. And that's also another, there's so many, there's just so many variables when it comes to lag too, that it gets really hard to communicate what's going on. For instance, I could do this review of Battle Greg on the PS4 and say, I don't know if I've done one of that yet. I think I have. Um, and say, well, you know, it's laggy, but Grega itself is laggy and they're just matching the actual lag of the game. And then someone plays it, but they're playing it on like this OLED TV with like five frames of lag in it and stuff like that. And they're like, whoa, the game's super laggy. And then you have to tell them, well, you need to buy a gaming monitor. Do you know what I mean? There's so many variables that can stack up when it comes to lag. Absolutely. That it gets I really hard to, to tell people what, you know, what the line is. I think what I found, um, just anecdotally, of course, is that the majority of people, more not everyone, but most players, are very, very tolerant of six to seven frames of lag. Because when they have that, they've come back to me and said, this game plays great. I don't know what people are talking about. But then I always get those people that, you know, randomly come in and say, I have it hooked up to my TV and it's so horrible. I don't know how you guys can play it or say it's playable at all. And a lot of times it turns out to be their display and they've come back to me later and said, you know what, I tried it on a different TV or a different monitor and it's, it's like night and day. Now I can actually play it, you know, because now they're probably only getting six to seven where before who knows how much they were getting nine, 10. I mean, their TV was probably adding three to four frames on top of the mini itself, you know, and they don't realize that until they play it a different way. Yeah. And I had that feedback on my psycho reviews too, where people were like, I didn't notice any lag and uh, I don't know what to tell you because I noticed it. <laughs> yeah. You know I mean, what I mean? It's, it's, it's no noticeable or not noticeable. Like, like I said earlier, I absolutely notice it because I come from playing on, you know, original consoles too. I just don't mind it, I guess. It's, in other words, once I get into the game, maybe again, because I'm not playing competitively or for score, I just kind of get into it and I get used to it and I don't think about it. You know, it's, it's like shut up and play. <laughs> and that's what I do. I just kind of got into it. And part of it too is because I love the game. So it's, you know, I get into the game itself and I kind of start to stop thinking about it. So unless I'm failing or dying or not able to actually enjoy it because of how bad it is, it kind of goes to the back of my mind. and I don't really think about it anymore. Yeah. Another thing I want to get your, your thoughts on, um, because I went a certain direction with this and I stand by it, but I could see how other people would go a different direction. But for me, I also really struggled with the scoring aspects of my Nintendo Life reviews because I looked at I looked at it on a scale because I didn't just review one game. I reviewed a number of games. I for instance, let me I think Nintendo Life kind of dictated my scores a little bit. I'll be I don't know how much I don't think they're hiring me back. So I'll say no. Yeah, like I couldn't just give whatever score I wanted. They would like change it around. So I sometimes forget what scores and they wouldn't just ask me like, hey, we're making it a nine or whatever. I'll just read the view. I'm like, oh, I guess it's a nine. <laughs> Because I think I gave one game a 10. I, um, I can't remember. I think I gave one game a 10 and it ended up being a 9 or an 8. I can't remember what happened. But anyway, so with me, the scoring thing was like a whole nother issue too. Because 
I get, let's say, I, so I can't remember, but I think I gave Aspirate a 10, and they allowed that. To clarify, Mark gave the game a score of 10 when he submitted his review, but at publication the score was changed to a 9. So I give Esperate a 10, and then let's say I make these concessions and say, okay, you know what, I need, I need a backup on the lag, chill out. So then I give, let's say I give um, Psycho a 7. For me, I'm like, the uh, divide between these two ports couldn't be further numerically apart, right? In my brain, the Psychios are like a 1, and Esperade's like a 10, but I can't do that because it's video game yeah, reviews. Yeah, decent score. I mean, Esperade is a phenomenal port that's done extremely well on all fronts, and the Psycho port is more of a lazy port. Yeah. So I gave it a 5. Bone, right? Yeah, so I gave it a 5 because I felt like I'm trying to say this is a bad port. And if I gave it a 7, it's like me saying this is a good port. But then people get really upset when I give this port a 5. But I feel like, what am I supposed to do here? Because I think they get upset because of the because the games are quality games. So they're kind of like, how can you give yes? You know, how can you give Gunbird two and these other games that are on there a five when these are phenomenal games and and they still play like they're originals? You know, it's kind of like okay, it's a lazy port. So take off points for not having features. Take off points for the lag being not the greatest. But how can you give it a five? I think that's probably where they're coming from because at some point you're rating the games too, not just the port. People are like, these are really great. Problem with writing reviews, if you ever end up writing reviews, <laughs> and I'm going to tell you this now, people look at your score and then move on. Because in my review, I like explicitly say on a number of occasions, the games themselves are outstanding, high quality games, but the porting issues are so severe, this is why I'm taking off points. Yeah, it's a whole, it's a whole conundrum that I personally, that's the direction I went, where I felt like because these games already exist and you can emulate them, <laughs> I don't feel super comfortable giving a bad port a good review and telling people to buy it. But then there's that divide where, like I mentioned before, people will never, some people on principle do not emulate games because they feel like it's stealing or whatever. So then people have been like, well, you're encouraging piracy with your reviews. And I'm like, well, I guess if that's how you want to look at it, I don't know what to tell you. Look, opinions are opinions, and everyone's going. There's always going to be people that are going to be unhappy with your opinion on something, especially on the internet. I would think. Oh yeah. So I was just wondering, just kind of moving forward, because I think you're going to be moving through switch ports and all that kind of stuff. What are your yeah. kind of thoughts, with, like for you when you're reviewing stuff? What is the difference between a recommend and a not recommend? I guess. I guess it depends on the audience, and in my case, my audience. I know my audience are, and they're not. You know, it's not that they don't love shooters and they love shmups. A lot of them are probably better than them at I am. And in fact, I, had, I wanted to ask this before I forget. I've been told multiple times by multiple people that you're not supposed to say shmups, that it's just kind of like a shorthand. But when you actually speak it, it's shoot 'em ups. It's not meant to be spoken out like that. Um, I never really thought of anything of it one way or another. I never really liked the term shmups in the first place. I used to just call them shooters all the time until everybody started thinking I was talking about Call of Duty. <laughs> so I had to start calling them shmups because every time I said shooter, they thought I was talking about something else. But I just wasn't sure about that. I, I don't want to derail the conversation. Oh, no, that's a, it's a, I have no idea. It's a, great, it's a great topic. In fact, I ended up making a video about it a while ago. It's one of my like, kind of lost videos. <laughs> you find it on the topics videos. Basically, from what I've understood, you know, being around and talking to people, the really hardcore people tend to just call them shmups at this point. It's more along like older people who played them back in the days and stuff that are really against the term shmups. 
my stance is, yes, call them shmups because there's a number of reasons why you do that. And I go over this in the video. One, it is instantly recognizable. We all know what a shmup is. Um, when you say shooter, like you said, okay, are we talking third person shooter? We talking first person shooter? We talk, some people call uh, running guns shooters as well. So it's like, oh, is it a running gun? So shmup is a very clear and quick term to say, okay, what game are we playing? The French and the uh, Japanese actually call them STG. So if you want to be really, really official about it, I guess you can call them STG. I think yeah. shmup for, for you and for content creators, I absolutely say shmup is the way to go because it's the most recognizable way people identify them. Shmups and bullet hells, like if you're putting them in your tags and in your titles, put those in there because people know what those are. A lot of people do not write out shoot em up. A lot of people don't say out shoot em up. And so there's this audience of people. I, you know, people comment on my videos all the time about this. Call them shooters. Like you say, the problem is, is shooter got taken over. You know, you're going to have to let it go. Shooter is gone. First person, it go, damn it. <laughs> first person shooter got a hold of him. So yeah. that's actually was one of my beefs. And that's how um, that whole shmups are shooters. You probably never heard of it because you're not really on Instagram. Tag got started. I started it. Um, I, I've heard I've heard that that line of thinking a lot, though, as far as don't call them shmups, call them shooters. Yeah. Honestly, I, I never had a problem with the term shmups. I just didn't like that shooters got taken away because I grew up saying it. And then all of a sudden, at some point, every time I said it, people thought I was talking about something else. Yes. So it kind of annoyed me. So the whole shmups are shooters came about saying, hey, look, I want to take shooter back. You know, shooter is our term. They stole it from us. And at yeah. this point, I realize it's probably a lost cause because first person shooters are so insane. They're just, yeah, they took yeah. over shmups in many ways, <laughs> not just the name, but kind of like the replacement in a way for the genre as well. What would have been a shmup in, you know, the earlier days. Now people say, well, it's more commercially viable to make a, a shooter, not a shmup, right? So yeah. and then that, and that's where the tag was. You know, I was kind of reminding people, hey, like, don't forget, you know, shmups are shooters. You know, that's they used to be called shooters all the way back to, you know, the very first games. And I don't mind using the term shmups, honestly. The only thing that annoys me is when people call FPS games shooters. But other than that, I, I was originally torn about calling my, my channel shmup junkie. But I was like, you know, oh, what? yeah, everybody, everybody knows what it is. Again, I don't have a problem with the term. You know, I just like using the term shooter. I don't care if people say shmup. I only care when I say, hey, this, you know, when I start talking about a shooter that I love that I was playing and they think I'm talking about Call of Duty, I want to slap. Just to illustrate how much it's taken over, go into Steam and type in shooter and see what you oh, get. Yeah. It's all first person, third person shooters, like not a single shmup pops up. Maybe yeah, if you I go agree. deep into the pages, you'll find one. But so I got it. You know, and I, you know, I don't mind fighting the losing battle. I'll keep doing that, you know, just because I enjoy doing it. <laughs> I personally don't mind either way if people call them shooters, shmups. I'm very hands off on all those types of things as far because I also feel about this in the video bit, but I also feel like sometimes this can be a little bit of elitism. Some people have where shmup is the term most new people are going to hear. They're going to hear the term shmup. They're not going to hear mm -hmm. the term shooter. And so they show up and they're like, hey, I want to play shmups. And then everyone's like, <laughs> they're called shooters not shmups you know and then it's like let's shame the new guy yeah so that's another aspect to why i always kind of try not to make the terms all that important whether you call them shmups because you could do that with stg as well you could be like well the japanese call them stg so i mean come on that's what yeah, we're calling so i try not to like harp on it too much <laughs> and make a huge deal about it you know i just try to always remind people hey they used to be called this and 
you know, I use both terms all the time. You know, I kind of alternate back and forth between one and the other. It's just wherever my brain is at that moment. You know, I have a tendency to call older games shooters because that's how I grew up. So like whenever I'm playing like 16-bit and previous games or even Saturn games, I just, because that's what I used to call them. But whenever I'm talking about, um, you know, Death Smiles or, or Futari, I just almost default to shmup because I kind of started calling right because the newer ones. So it's just yeah. something in my brain that wants to call certain game shooters. <laughs> yeah, and, and maybe bullet hell kind of feels more shmup than uh, like you know an older shooter type game because I could even see that right where bullet hell's shmup kind of makes sense because it's just like this plaster of bullets and going on the screen. Whereas shooter kind of denotes more of like the old school style of shmupping where you're taking those, you know, less bullets on the screen, more calculated shots, more calculated gameplay yeah, style. I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. You're, you're, you're R-types, you're Gradius, you're, yeah. you know, Soldier Blade, those kind of games. I totally get it. Anyway, I didn't mean to derail the conversation on something else. You asked me about the Switch. And um, what I was going to say about that is, you know, I, won't, I don't plan on over-harping on the input lag issue. You know, the main reason I did my first test, and the only thing my first test really even proved more than anything, because it didn't prove that much, because I still have a lot more testing to do, was that there wasn't as much of a difference between the handheld and the tabletop and the dock than... Oh, yeah, let's talk about that. Than, than, ...than perceived. You know, and that was really what I got, you know, from my testing, you know, that I tested over and over again. But my goal really is I want to give people useful information. I don't want to say, this is good, this is bad, th this is acceptable, this is playable, this is not. I want to do like a shootout of controllers because a lot of people have asked me for that, and that's what I'm doing. So I've got a couple of 8-bit DOS, 2.4, uh, uh, an M30, a 2.4 gigahertz and a Bluetooth. I've got some retro bits. Yeah. Um, I've, got a, I've got a Hayabusa 5, a RAP 5, and a F500, and a few others, and an official um, Pro Controller. And I want to wire them up, and I just want to do straight-up shootout. You know, here, look, these are the numbers. This is the Joy-Con. These are all the tests for this. These, these are how these controllers measure up. And it'll just give people the numbers uh, to see, you know, what, what works better than others and decide from there. So I'm not so much measuring games as I am measuring kind of like the differences in the hardware to just get some good information out there. Yeah, and with the whole, like, tabletop, dock, handheld aspect of it, that's a really interesting thing because... Um, when you did your tests, I think you ended up coming out about half a frame less than my original tests, right? Is that about correct? If um, I'm remembering correct. Which... Just when you were testing the, the Joy-Cons, whether specifically wired Pro Controller versus wireless Pro Controller. Oh, you mean with Gunbird 2 specifically or just in general? Cause I just only in general. One game, because I was going to test some more games with it. Um, but oh. my, I, wasn't, I wasn't testing the lag on the specific controllers because I, I mean, uh. still have the game. There's no way to test just the controller. You have to test it completely. Well, so there is sort of a way. If you go into the button configuration, I did this one time. If you go into the button configuration on the Switch and you hit, you can like at least have that basic thing where if you hit the button, it'll appear on the screen and you could test it that way. At least have something very consistent between all the tests. You'll never really, I guess, know what the baseline is, but at least you can compare then very cleanly. You know how consistent their GUI is, right? <laughs> right. Um, you can at least you can at least can compare cleanly between the controllers what what uh, is going on there. And the only reason I actually picked Gumber Two among a couple other games is because when I was doing my testing, I was getting a consistency. So it's not whether it had good lag or bad lag. It wasn't about the game itself. It's just that every time I tested it, I kept coming back with the same range of numbers. 
So I'm like, you know what? The, the shot is pretty consistent. If I'm getting between 91 and 99 milliseconds every time I test this thing, you know, I'm, I'm in a pretty consistent range on the game. So I'll just go ahead and use this game and I'll test it with all three different control methods and see if there's a difference. And oh. that's kind of what I did. And that's where oh. I was surprised, where I saw that I didn't really see a performance difference for the Joy-Con, at least, for how it controlled. Oh, that's a good point. I wanted to mention, too, is that when I test input lag, I always test the movement of the characters, not the shots. Because for me, and for, I think, most players, it's actually the movement of your ship that's way more critical than the bullets when it comes to input lag. And I remember, and the thing is, is some games have weird startup differences between them. For instance, I remember when I originally tested Futari on the 360, I was starting off by testing the bullets, right? And so I tested it, and it, I can't remember, but Futari has a little bit of a delay before the bullets came out. So I did the input lag test, and I sh presented it to the Discord, and uh, I think it was Bananamatic, actually. It was like, no, <laughs> it, it is not that much lag in the game. And I thought, well... Yeah, that's what I was getting. And I was showing him all the stuff and the screens. And he's like, you can't test the bullets. You need to test the movement because that's what influences the, the characters, the, like the players the most. And that's I'm like, oh, yeah, duh. So that's another thing, too, is um, sometimes games will have built in lag into the movement. And sometimes they'll have built in lag into the bullets. And that's always fun. So, um, yeah, I remember testing certain games where I think it was Ketsui. Ketsui's movement, there's actually one frame of lag built into it that's slower than the bomb going off or something. So yeah, that's another thing too that gets really sticky with input lag testing is I always just go with the movement, um, not the bullets, because I think uh, some games, especially bu bullet hells, sometimes have this delay on the bullets coming out for some reason. And I think I've, I modified some of my controllers to do that. The, pro the only hard, the hard part about testing movement is that's a lot harder to make out exactly when that movement starts when you're using live video, unless it happens to be a character that, you know, changes in appearance or does something when it starts to move, you know, when you're going frame by frame, sometimes it's harder to tell. Like when there's a bullet, you can always tell. It's very obvious when the shot starts coming out. But when a character starts moving, it's really hard to tell. It's almost like maybe it started moving on the last frame, but it, you just couldn't see it yet. You know, like what denotes movement exactly? You know, in some games, the character animation doesn't change at all when it starts moving. So, and, and the screen is moving while you're playing. So it's really hard to kind of even just get an accurate determination. So I totally get it. It makes sense. And there's no great way to do it. And I think if you're measuring the lag of a specific game that you're right, I think using a directional pad could be a more accurate way, as long as there's a way to determine it, depending on how the character moves on the screen. My method of doing it is you get right up on them. And once you, if you get right up on them, and then you get your little light, like I'm like clawing my light into the frame. So like the light's standing like it's like right on top of them. And then you basically also need it's actually a pain in the ass. And then you also in the game need to like find a section where you can hold still. So you got to move, you got to hold still. And then you can usually get like one, two, three, you know, and then uh, reset, move, hold still. And you also don't want slowdown either. So you got to find a place with no slowdown. And then one, two, three reset go back to the place one two three reset and do that like 50 times or how many yeah, times you need to do my point it's a pain <laughs> in the ass. it is a pain in the ass <laughs>
When I was measuring just the Switch, I mean, because I was measuring the hardware and not the game itself, I figured for that the shot was perfectly fine simply because all I really cared about was the differences between the three methods of playing, not the game itself. So I didn't really care if the game had three frames or six frames or 30 frames. I just wanted to see what the difference is between playing the exact same game the same way between handheld, between handheld and tabletop and dock, just to see what the difference was. So as long as the test is consistent and I'm doing it exactly the same on all three methods, you should have a consistent result. You know, so it may not be an accurate result of how much lag the actual game has. It was more just to determine the lag of the controllers. You know, is handheld slower than wireless? You know, is wireless slower than docked, et cetera? And that's where I was kind of surprised, you know, where I really got an identical result, regardless of how it was playing. And again, we don't know why that is. Um, some people suggested that maybe there's some kind of overclocking going on on the Switch, you know, that Nintendo's doing when it's docked, you know, that they did on purpose. Um, because they wanted to create some kind of a consistency between the different modes of play, and they expected people to have laggy television. So they overclocked it when it's docked. Again, we're just guessing at this point. We don't know why. All I know is what the numbers showed, is that when I tested that game all three different ways, I got the exact same results. Exact same meaning 91 to 99 milliseconds. So, I mean, you're talking about, you know, fractions of a frame difference between all three modes. Yeah, and that's something I wanted to comment on as well, because I think there's a number of possible explanations. And I'm not really, I wasn't really all that surprised because when the Switch first came out, there were a lot of issues with that whole like wireless docked and like wired in the dock stuff, not just among shmup players, but among fighting game players, among Smash players. There was a lot of people doing these tests at that time. And a lot of them were saying, as strange as it was, was that it was more laggy wired into the dock than wirelessly, right? So, like, if it's plugged into the dock and you're using wireless, that's about yeah. the same. The measurements were if you plugged the controller into the dock itself and then went into wired mode, you would think, at the time, you would think, okay, that's going to be more responsive. But the tests at the time were coming back that it was less responsive. There was a little bit of extra lag there. But that was when the Switch first came out. And since then, the Switch has literally gone through like a bunch of different hardware and software revisions. So it is also completely possible that Nintendo just patched it and fixed it between well, the three years or whatever it's been. To be fair, I mean, that's the same results I got. When I went direct wired, I got worse results too. I had over right. a frame of extra lag. Um, and, but oh, again, okay, so it did line up. A, I was using a third-party controller. So what I'm doing next is I'm using an official pro controller and I'm going to see if it really is still laggier or... Yes, that's what I'll be interested to see because, yeah, I think it doesn't matter if you put it in the dock and you're just wireless all the time. I don't think that matters. I think what matters is when you plug it into that dock itself is when it gets extra lag, which is bizarre, but I can only imagine it's because the dock interface, you know, it's got to go through the USB, then it's got to go through the dock's USB stuff and then into the console and then all that. And probably well, you know, it's like... To the Switch, though, I mean, the PS4 is the same way. It has super speed Bluetooth, the fastest of all the consoles. And if you hardwire into the PS4, it's slower. Oh, really? I did not know that. Yeah, they, there's tests online. If you go to Google, you'll see that there's some people that have run some detailed tests. They compared like, it's more modern controllers. It's the Xbox One controller, the PS4, wired, wireless. And I mean, I'm, I don't, I'm not super familiar with the tests, so I don't know how reputable they are but it seems to be pretty popular, which doesn't mean it's necessarily accurate, but they definitely got a lot more delay the more, um, on the PS4 as well. 
wired versus wireless versus the Bluetooth, which is, I mean, I think that's known. The PS4 Bluetooth has been known to be the fastest. I wonder if that's because the USB ports are like, you know, old-ish on the PS4. You know, they're not the USB-C ones and stuff like that. There should be no no reason for them to be so like that. It probably has more to do with software. It's what they're doing. Oh, right. Those USB ports have to charge. They have to, you know, controllers go to sleep. There's so much going on that maybe they're pulling at a different rate. Who knows what they're doing? Yeah, uh, they, they're dropping that pull rate down just to be safe. You know what I mean? Like they're not blowing out controllers or blowing out the... I bet that's right because I bet they're thinking, okay, we can't be going around repairing all these PS4 USB ports. We're not doing that. So we're just going to drop that. And most people are going to play wireless anyway. So we're just going to drop that pulling rate down nice and safe. This is all just my theory to drop it down nice and safe so that we never have to repair these damn ports or something. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, it's all conjecture. That's why I try not to get too much into the opinion of it, saying, you know, this is good, this is bad, this number is good, this number is bad. You know, we have no idea why this switch, right? It's just all we can do is really test the numbers, and the rest is a guessing game. The real interesting one, if you ever end up getting to it, for me anyway, and I think for a lot of people who play on Arcade Stick, is the wireless Brooks board. So Brooks came out with a board that's supposed to be, I don't know, because I haven't tested it, but it's supposed to be extremely responsive wirelessly and huh. it connects to the switch and stuff like that. That would be really interesting to see what, what kind of results that. you get on that bad boy. Because I think that's the limitation here, unfortunately, is that you might have some really great controllers with great performance. Like, let's say, for example, the 8 M30 with the 2.4 gigahertz. I've seen other people test it and say it has great results. But the problem is it, has, it still has a 2.4 gigahertz receiver that has to plug into the USB port on the console. So no matter how fast the performances of the controller to its own receiver, now you're plugged in direct again. It's like a wired controller. So now you're getting the same delay that any wired controller will get, whether it's into a PS4 or a Switch or anything else. You might only have, let's say, three milliseconds on the controller itself, but now you're going to add another frame just because it's plugged into the USB port on the console because it's not direct Bluetooth. Oh, that's so what I'm looking. Is, is the Brooks Wireless not direct Bluetooth? That's what oh, I'm, no, I'm not talking about the Brooks. I'm talking about like the, oh, okay. you know, these other ones where, you know, they might perform really well, but they're still privy to the same delay that you're going to get on the USB port of the console itself. Right. I definitely would like to try the Brooks one. I'm, I know the universal one, but the, the wired one, not the wireless one. Yeah, I'm looking right now to see if it's, I think it must be Bluetooth because it doesn't seem to have any sort of thing you plug in or anything like that. Yeah, that would be direct weird. Bluetooth, you would probably get better. So it's kind of funny because I remember seeing a, a test where they measured the Bluetooth version of the M30 versus the 2.4, and the 2.4 performed way better by, by far. But the problem is, is that the Bluetooth will connect, let's say, to a switch directly, and that's all the lag you'll get, whereas the 2.4 might perform fantastically, like three times faster, but you have to plug the receiver into the <laughs> USB port on the switch. Yeah. So now you're going to get that extra frame or whatever it adds because you're hardwired into it, basically. That's no what... direct way to do 2.4 to a switch. Yeah, that's what makes all this lag testing stuff is so complicated because there's never just one clean answer most of the time. It's like, well, yeah, if you're if you're doing it wirelessly, it works this way or that way. But if you plug it in, it works this way or that way. Yeah. So my next test probably isn't going to be nearly as divisive. Like I said, I'm not looking to, you know, with the switch, it was more of those things where I'm just tired of seeing all those Reddit groups saying, you got to play this way because this way sucks. Docked is laggy. You know, this is laggy. That's laggy. Like it's just all misinformation. So I just wanted to put a video out there and say, look, I tested all three of these this way and it was the same. 
But the next video was more just, hey, look, here's a shootout. Here's all the controllers. Here's all the numbers. Here's how they perform. Take of it what you will. But as long as I can keep the tests equivalent across whatever I'm testing with the controllers, you know, same game, same button, same, same everything, you know, it should give us at least a general idea of how they perform versus each other. Yeah, I know a lot of people would love to see that. Yeah, and the reason it hasn't happened is because modifying these controllers is a huge pain in the yeah, ass. Yeah. I don't know if anyone else has ever modified a Joy-Con before me. I have. But if you did too, I mean, it, it wasn't it a massive pain in the butt? Yes, yes. <laughs> getting, just getting them open is like, you know, a process. Because one time I was getting one of them open and the screw stripped. So I had to drill out the screw because it, it stripped when I was pulling it out. Yeah, well, they have that special bit that it requires. Yeah, the uh, yeah, I even had one of those, um, the tri-wing. But the the screw, when I was screwing it out, just the tri-wing ripped, ripped it. And so I was like, oh, geez. <laughs> so, yeah. oh, I thought the Pro Controller was bad until we got to the Joy-Con. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I can't wait to do the arcade sticks. Those are going to be a piece of cake. Yes, those will be nice. Those will be real quick and easy. Yeah, all the new modern ones are tough, even like the retro bit and the, you know, mini controllers, because they're just so they're just flat boards. You know, yes. there's not much to it. There's there's really no soldering or anything you can do to it. You know, I'm really putting, you know, these thin conductors down, you know, directly at the contact where the button is inside the controller. So when the button, the rubber hits that contact, it closes the contact and lights up the LED. You know, I there's really no way to solder some of these things. Yeah, I remember one time I was I was being uh i was just going to be trying to be really cool and i opened a ps4 controller i was like yeah, i'll do some ps4 like this i opened it up i looked inside closed it i'm like forget it <laughs> i'm not do it, dealing with that <laughs> it's like a super computer in there that you know what i mean there's not even like a yeah. board to get onto really no there isn't so i mean that's what we've done i mean that's what i've done with a lot of the mini controllers and not that they're complicated they're actually very simple but they're just flat little board you know with with circuitry there's nothing to do in a lot of cases. It's really just putting in a couple of contacts that touch each other when the button, like the hard part of the rubber button touches the board. So, you speak know, and it, is it accurate within, you know, fraction, you know, milliseconds? Probably it's close enough. It's close as we're going to get. Yeah. And at least it's consistent across your test, right? It's like a consistent. Pretty well, much, you know, hopefully. I hit the button a certain way, you know, I give it a hard tap, you know, over and over again. I don't do it slowly or randomly or anything like that. But it, the light's not going to light up until the contacts close, and the contacts won't close until the bottom side, underside of that button hits the contact on the board. Yeah. It, and basically closes the contact. It's just two wires making contact underneath that button where the board is. So, speaking of controllers, I just want to ask before we finish this you're a pad player. What is yeah. your preferred controller? Because there's so many different options for pad players. And it's always been the Saturn pad. The Saturn pad is amazing. I've always been better with a pad, like you said, just because I grew up playing consoles. And that D-pad is phenomenal. So I just have like a six-button default Sega Saturn pad that I use all the time. And I have a bunch of them because I'm afraid of not, them not being available anymore. So I've got some USB ones, some original Saturn ones, some converted ones. You know, none of the knockoffs are the new ones. As nice as they are, even the retro bit ones, they're not the same. Yeah, you know, I've, I heard talk nice about... Loose, they're loosened up. <laughs> I heard talk about those. Did you ever get one of the retro bit ones? I did. I haven't tried it out yet. It's one of the ones I want to modify. Before I did a lot of arcade stick stuff, I, I was into Saturn pads as well. And I'm assuming you have those. They're like the Sega official USB ones that were yep. pretty limited and rare. So, yeah. Yep. And I remember yeah, I actually ended up getting my hands on the PS2 one. And the way I did it was I bought it on eBay for $70, but it was completely broken. And so I had to like rot it. 
So I had chopped the wires and rewire it and then like clean the board completely and then replace the parts with uh, other Saturn parts. It does work though. Yeah, I mean, I honestly need to practice more with arcade sticks. It's not that I'm terrible at them. I'm just not used to them as much. So, I mean, and they're especially better for the newer style of bullet hell games where you have this micro dodging that goes on, you know, tapping the stick here and there. Yes, yes, yes. I, I would get a lot better that way. I, you know, I like my Saturn pad because it's better for the old school stuff and it works fine. There's one stick that I use religiously that I do use that I love, and that's my old, old um, Hori stick for, for the PC Engine, those metallic ones they used to make for the caravan competitions. Okay, let me see this one. They're, they're, made, they're like, uh, they're world class. They're, they're amazing sticks. And I what's, just, the, what's the name of it? Hori PC Engine? Um, let me grab it real quick. If you give me a sec, I've got it right here. Arcade stick. Because it's got a really weird name. Does it have like a pad thing on I'll in the tell you right now because it's got it's it's a it's a nomenclature it's uh the model number is hpj-08 so if you search for ori uh hori hpj-08 pc engine you'll see them it's hard to find a good one a lot of them are rusted out because they're metallic so they look like crap oh okay i'm looking i'm looking oh i see him it's a six button with like three bluish buttons at the top yep exactly right and they made one for the super famicom too it was it was popular i think like i said in japan when people were playing the caravan modes at the time and they were having the competitions what kind of uh stick is in there do you know i don't even want to open it yeah. it works so perfectly that i'm afraid if i open it up i won't be able to put it back together again and i can't get another one i'm afraid when it dies <laughs> right i have no idea what's in there i mean there i said i'm not an expert in sticks the few people that i've talked to that are you know were really really good at the time have all said that they're world class and amazing so i picked one up and i i've still yet to use a stick that feels like it it just feels like butter i love it i wonder if they're sanwa saimitsu parts or if they're like hori proprietary parts i i'm just i mean whoever made them back then because we are talking about like early 90s yeah that is a good question i guess i'll maybe i'll research that at some point yeah, and the buttons weren't as important back then, you know, unless you're using it for a fighting game. It was really about the stick for... Right, sure. right, yeah. Well, awesome. Well, I guess this is a podcast now. Thanks for coming <laughs> on the episode. Um, <laughs> any final thoughts before you, you know, end by talking about your channel and all that good stuff? Oh, gosh. Um, I don't know. Uh, I didn't even know I would have a channel, you know, earlier this year. It just kind of started doing well and people are enjoying it. And I'm enjoying making this, so I'm just going to keep doing it. Um, again, I really like your channel. I appreciate it a lot. You know, not being a competitive level player myself, not that I can't be if I don't put the time into it, but I'm, people are always surprised when I tell them I'm not a very competitive person. I just never got into that. Like it just, it's not my personality. So I enjoy playing for high score and it's cool, but it's not something I ever focused on. So I'm never going to be on the level of someone like yourself and some of these other guys. Cause I just, I don't have the wherewithal to put that kind of immense amount of practice and time into it to get that good at a specific game. But I really appreciate it. I look up to it. So I enjoy watching your runs and other people's runs and your videos. So as much as I say that I may be not elite or hardcore on that level, I just love and play my games. I do appreciate it. And I enjoy watching those channels, including yours. That's awesome. So what is, I got to ask you, what is your favorite shmup? Oh, I thought... You want me to make my head explode before the end of this? Yes. <laughs> You're not getting out alive. Taking you out. <laughs> That's always really, really hard. I think it's it's one not one of those things where what's your favorite shooter or shmup? It's one of the ones or which you know I try I'll, to say. I'll use Mark's psychology on you. I've I have a whole way of, a whole system of doing this. Here it is. Okay. What shmup have you played 
the most hour wise? How what shmup do you put the most hours into? I was just about to say that it's I would have to come back to which one do I come back to the most? Um, And I would have to say it's Soldier Blade, Soldier Blade on the PC Engine, and not because it's a particularly hard game. It's because it's so fun. I have such a great time whenever I play it. The music is so unbelievably good that like I just play and it gives me goosebumps. So it's one of those games where I've got it's got the nostalgia factor because I remember playing it as a kid. You know, it's fun as hell. It's universally recognized as one of the best PC Engine shooters. So it's a great game and it has such an amazing caravan mode. Of all the caravan modes I've ever played, the Soldier Blade one is just so well done that I keep coming back to the two minute mode a lot. So between the main game itself and the two minute mode, which I'm probably one of the few actual scoring things that I'm very, very good at, <laughs> would probably be Soldier Blade. And it's, it's funny, I actually did that um, a while back in my very second video when the whole input lag thing was going on. I'm like, look guys, you're, you're all talking smack. I'm going to show you how you can score on the Soldier Blade two minute caravan. And I think my highest score ever was in somewhere in the 650s. Um, and the highest possible score out there, I think, is like 680,000 or somewhere in that general range. So it's a pretty high score. And I got on the mini with my seven frames of lag <laughs> and I put about an Battle hour in it. I recorded it. And I was within like maybe 10,000 points or less of my best score ever on a CRT. And part of it is I know the game, but part of it is, hey, look, you can adjust to this. You can still have a really good time with the game if you're determined to do it, if that's what you're looking for. Well, awesome. Well, I guess let's end off by you talking about your channel and where to find it and all that good stuff. Okay. <laughs> well, it's pretty simple. The channel is called Shmup Junkie, just like it sounds. Uh, search for that on YouTube and you'll find it. Again, it's not for the super ultra hardcore shooter crowd. I think it's just for people who love older school 90s shooters and people who just want a hit of nostalgia because most of my videos are, you know, top five most brutal shooters on the Mega Drive, on the PC Engine, on the Neo Geo, um, you know, that kind of stuff, you know, PC Engine mini reviews. Uh, my last video was a comparison between Tatsujin, you know, on the PC Engine and Truxton on the Mega Drive, um, stuff like that, you know, just unique takes on old school games because there's not enough of it out there. There's a ton of people who just loved, loved those older games and there's not enough good content out there for them on YouTube. So I'm just, I guess, kind of trying to fill that gap, if that's, you will. That's awesome because, yeah, for me, I like those games, but I'm definitely too deep into bullet hell. <laughs> so <laughs> it'll be really cool to have a channel with that kind of content on there because I do know there's a ton of people. And like I can learn, basically, and learn about them and uh, be a little more informed myself when it comes to these uh, like older shmups and stuff, especially the PC Engine. That's like a whole mystery to me. I've never actually even seen a PC Engine in my life, so... That'll be really cool to learn more about that. Yeah, it's fun. Well, if you ever play one game, whatever game that happens to be, definitely try out Soldier Blade, whether it's the Caravan mode or any mode. It's just, it's so fun, you know, bullet hell otherwise. And it's not a hard game. I don't think you'll have a hard time with it. It's just the music is great and controls smooth. And like I said, a good game is a good game. doesn't matter what it is. And you just sit down and you start having a good time. Maybe I'll stream that tonight for fun. Try out some Soldier Blade. Blade. I said, one thing you'll notice is that the music on it is freaking outstanding especially in we're talking about like 8-bit chiptunes here yeah i think doesn't the uh turbo graphics or pc engine at that doesn't it have isn't it known for having some pretty slamming soundtrack it did absolutely and in my case i said it it's 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 a shooter is only half a game without without a great soundtrack because i grew up playing those and most of the pc engine games especially the shooters have awesome awesome music and i don't know why that is uh, maybe they just have a really cool sound chip. Maybe they, maybe the developers went out of their way to try to make the music really good. 
but yeah, you're absolutely right. Game after game after game, even not, not even the CD games, the hue card game just sound amazing. Soldier Blade is a chip game. It's a hue card. It's not even CD. And it's, I put it up, put it up against almost any CD soundtrack. It just sounds so good. And uh, I'm looking at the Wikipedia. Uh, this is just a tie into your last video. You remember you're talking about how EGM gave one of the games a low score and I commented and said EGM's pretty, pretty <laughs> notorious for some pretty sus uh, shmup reviews. Well, they gave Soldier Blade a 27 out of 40. So there you go. Yeah, there you go. And that's, they don't, they don't seem to like shmups, I think is the lesson we can learn. Apparently, yeah. And, that, and like I said, that's universally considered a, one of the best on the system. <laughs> that's funny. Well, awesome. Thanks so much for coming on. And uh, I'm looking forward to your next videos. Yeah, same here. Same here. And if you are going to stream Soldier Blade, definitely let me know. I think it'll be fun to watch. If you got a chat going, I'll, I'll try to chat back and forth with you, depending on when it is, if I'm not asleep. Right. No problem. Yeah. Awesome. Adios. All right, man. Thanks.